0: hey good morning church family happy sunday to you i hope you are doing well if you're new here welcome my name's brian i'm one of the pastors here and uh man so excited about today as i am every day uh excuse my voice uh i've been a little bit under the weather i sound a lot worse than i feel and i've been preaching my heart out uh in different places and so um god has just been so good and i'm excited to teach today I want to share just two things with you right quick before we jump in because I know sometimes uh, when the message ends we kind of check out. but there's two really important things I want you to know about the first one is last year we started a Facebook group, uh, not our page, not our Instagram, but an actual group uh, for our church and we were using it to communicate and connect and um, for multiple reasons, none that were actually, I guess fully um, I don't want to say valid because they were valid but um, we didn't stop using it because it wasn't effective. We just honestly just lost track. We had so many other things going on and uh, we've, we realized recently how valuable um, that tool is. And so um, it's a private group and it is hidden. The goal is not for people who don't uh, necessarily attend or are connected to our church to be in that, not that we're better than them, not that we don't want them in there. However, uh, we want to use it in multiple ways. Again, communication, connection, but also another form of kind uh, of discipleship. Now, granted, we love face-to-face, one-on-one discipleship in homes, uh, but we want to challenge you, Pastor Jay, myself, our team. We want to be able to put things in there that encourage you uh, and just kind of bring a level of connection back. And so if you're not in that group uh, and you know somebody who's connected to our church, they're probably in it. Ask them to invite you in it. If not, you can email Uh, us at info at sevencitieschurchva.com or uh, send us a message on Facebook. We'd be glad to add you there. Again, we want that to be people who are connected to our church. And so uh, I think it'll be a valuable tool and I hope we can stay consistent with that and we can just build uh, even more community than what we have. Number two, October 30th, that's the last Sunday of the month. We're gonna have a fall festival at Venue 757. And so if you watch online, we would love for you to come There's not going to be an online service that day. Uh, And there's actually not going to be like a real service in person either. Uh, We're going to be in person, but there's not going to be any preaching. There's not going to be a worship team or anything like that. We're just going to have fun as a family coming together. And so uh, we want to just spend time connecting together as a family. But we also want to use this as a way for you to bring uh, some new families in. And so we're going to have a costume contest Uh, that are age-specific, I guess. We're going to break it down into age groups, if you will, for the contest and give prizes out for that. We're going to have a handful of giveaways. We're going to have some team games to kind of create even more fellowship and connection. And we'll have some stations set up for some other games, uh, pumpkin painting, face painting. Um, We're going to have a brunch there. And so... Um, If you want to sign up for something, we're going to provide some food, but I know some of you, your gift is baking. Hallelujah. Uh, If you want to bring a dish, you can do that. You don't have to sign up for that. Um, You can just bring your favorite dish. Again, it's going to be brunch, and so we're going to let people eat as we mingle and move around to stations. Uh, But there is a sign-up sheet in our group um, that I would encourage you to look at if you can. We're going to need some people to man some stations. And so it's going to be laid back. We're not going to have this drastic setup. Uh, but there is going to be some things, obviously, that have to be set up and have to be uh, ran or managed as kids and families come to each of those little fun game stations. And so um, we're going to be there from 10 to 12. And so I would love for you to come again. Bring a family member. You can share the graphic, uh, the, the the event graphic, if you will, that's on our Facebook and Instagram with somebody. Tag some people and we would love to see you there. And so we're going to jump right in today. We are continuing our series, Follow Me through the book of James. We're going to be here for a little while, um, and I think that this series is has been incredible, not just because I've been a part of it. Uh, Pastor Jay has preached some grand slams. I hope that last week challenged you and gave you a different perspective, and I hope that this, will, uh, this week will challenge you as well. And so we're going to cover a lot today, all right? I'm going to set that up for you really quick, uh, or I guess get that out of the way really quick. And I know some of you are like, oh boy, it's PB, Pastor Brian, and he's talking about covering a lot. We're going to be here for a while. I promise, I don't promise because I don't ever know. I just kind of get up here and let the Holy Spirit take over. My goal is not to preach some long, extended amount of time, but I do want us to, to cover a big passage. And here's the reason why we could spend time diving into each of, uh, there's like three different sections in this passage we're going to cover verses 19 through 27. We're going to finish chapter one. However, there's a theme that runs through each of these three sections that I believe is really the main theme of the entire series. As we talk about following Jesus, what does it look like to live out our faith, to, to live in pursuit of truly following him? Not just conversion, not just salvation, but pursuing him. And this theme is constant. And so we're going to, again, cover a lot. I'm going to show you that theme throughout all of those. Before we do, I want to set this up with a story uh, and it's going to flip right back around and we're going to jump right into scripture. And I'll be honest, I really don't want to share this story uh, because I can't stand this football team. However, it is football season, and the Cowboys actually play this team I'm about to talk about today, and uh, I can promise you they're not going to pull this off today. But anyways, I am I know y'all are probably tired of hearing me talk about the Cowboys, but it's part of who I am. So anyways, in 2018, the Philadelphia Eagles were in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. And um, they were up by a few points, but it was fourth and goal, and they had an opportunity to kick a field goal, go up a few more. But they decided to do something different. And so the, Nick Foles was the quarterback. Carson Wentz, their starting quarterback, was out. He ran over to the sideline right before it was about to be fourth down, and he went to the coach, and he said this, you want to do Philly Philly? And the coach paused for a second, and he said, yeah, let's do it. And so Nick Foles, he runs into the huddle. He says, all right, Philly special, Philly special. And they get up to the line and they run this trick play. And the play was that Nick Foles is is getting ready, he's calling his cadence, he's calling his snaps, and he's going up as a quarterback will do, as if he sees something different than the play they should be running, and this is all a setup, and he goes up and he says, kill, kill, kill. He's calling an audible. He's basically making the defense think that he's changing the play, and as he's walking behind, he's walking behind the line, going over to the right, and and again, it seems like he's just trying to communicate to his line that he's changing the play. And once he gets all the way to the end by the tight end, it still seems as if he's trying to communicate that the play is changing. They actually snap the ball. And I want to say the running back catches the ball. It might have been a tight end. I can't remember. And Nick Foles, the quarterback, he stands still for just a second. And they make, you know, makes the defense like, what's going on? And then he slips out to the right and he scores a touchdown. And they put him up even higher and they end up winning the Super Bowl. It's the first one they've won in a while and probably the last one as well. But anyways, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about this play. I was thinking about what was actually happening. And the thing that I want to talk to you about today is this, run the play run the play. If you think about football, these guys are literally professional athletes all year long. They study plays. They look at plays. They create plays. They watch films and they figure out how does this play work? How does this play work? And they bring it onto the playing field during game time and they start running these plays. What if, what if they did all of this and they never actually ran the play? They were waiting for the right time to run the Philly Philly, to run the Philly Special. How much of this connects to our life as Christians? We come to church on Sunday, we hear a sermon, we read our Bibles occasionally, we sing a song here and there, we memorize a verse or maybe even two or maybe you got seven if you went to a private Christian school and had a verse quiz every week. But we know all of this scripture and we memorize it and we we show up and we do these things. But oftentimes, maybe even many times, we never run the play. Meaning, we never live out what Scripture is telling us to live out. We never apply it to our life. This is the whole purpose of the series. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to run the play. You've got to live out what Scripture is telling us to do. And so James, he talks about this. He talks about this a lot. He's just spent the first 18 verses talking about trials and, and rejoicing and stretching our faith and sacrificing and surrendering and looking at things from the perspective that God is good and that it's a good thing. Sometimes when we face trials that, that he's doing something that we can't see. And now he, he kind of shifts a little bit and he begins to talk to us about how we should live our life and what some of that Christian living looks like. And so, we're going to read it all. I'm going to give you three things. We're going to break each one down and we'll be done. Sounds simple, right? Here we go. James chapter 1, 19 through 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourselves there's that deceiving word again. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he's running the play, he'll be blessed in his doing. And then he finished up, chapter one, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives, there it is again, his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Keep oneself unstained from the world. All right, you guys ready? Take notes. Here we go. Write this first thing down. Number one, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. You're like, I'm not a selfish person. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I am too. Why? Because it's our nature. We are sinful people. Our nature is to focus and look inwardly at ourself. And if we're going to follow Jesus the way that he wants us to follow him, if we're going to run the play, we can't be selfish. Let's look at the verse I want to connect this to. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear or quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be quick to listen Quick to, excuse me, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What does that do? Well, it does a lot. It does a lot. But one of the main ones that it does that I want to talk to you about today is as we are quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger, when we're having a conversation with someone, as we're talking to someone and we run the play, it allows them to feel and know that we actually care about them. We're listening to them. We're showing concern to them. Like we want to know what they have to say. And what it is, is it's selfless rather than being selfish. And so often we want to jump the gun as someone is speaking to us. And instead of listening to to them, we want to tell them what we think. And this is selfish. This is selfish in itself. And James is saying, I need you to run this play. Because what this does is it shows people that you care about them. And this is the way Jesus lived his life. If you look throughout scripture, every conversation for the most part that Jesus had with people. Now granted, he told the truth and there were times that he got upset. But he would come to you with a heart filled with compassion and concern for you. And he would listen to what you had to say. And how I can say this is because oftentimes you would ask Jesus a question if he was here and he would respond with a follow-up question that was connected to your question, which was meaning I heard you, I understand what you're asking, but let me put it on you and dig a little bit deeper as to why you're asking that question. Why? Because I care about you. I'm selfless. I'm not selfish. I care about you and I want you to know that I care about you. And one of the ways that I do that is by running this play. I want you to think for a moment. When, think about a situation when you were not quick to listen, you were not slow to speak, and you were not slow to anger. And maybe it happened this morning when you were up trying to cook breakfast and get everybody up for, you know, ready for church or wherever it may be. Why were you not quick to listen? Why were you not slow to speak? And why were you not slow to anger? Why? Let me answer it for you, because you were selfish, because when someone was speaking to you, you wanted to say what you wanted to say because you thought what you had to say was right, and it was more important than what they did or what they were saying. Imagine how that makes them feel. Imagine what it would look like if we would run this play to where we're quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I would go as far to say, if you get the first two right, the third one becomes easier. Because what happens is if I come to you and we're having a conversation and I am quick to listen to you, meaning I sit still long enough, I keep my lips closed and I listen to what you have to say. I'm slow to speak. I'm not going to jump right in to say something. It changes the tone, the perspective. It drops the level of defense and it allows the anger to become minimized. It doesn't mean we don't get upset when we hear things that, that, that maybe are attacks on us or our family, or maybe it's going against God's word. I hope when you hear somebody say something against God's word, it, it makes you upset, but you are never going to win an argument by being quick to be angry and just jumping at the gun, running your mouth. It's not going to happen. Like And that, that goes across the board for your Twitter accounts, your Instagram, your Facebook, your social media. What would it look like if we ran the play to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger in everyday life? I can tell you it would change a lot of things. It would change a lot of things. It's no wonder that people look around, who aren't churchgoers, who would not consider themselves followers of Jesus, and they criticize the mess out of Christians. And many times for good reason. It's no wonder they don't wanna listen to us. It's no wonder they don't wanna come to our church. It's no wonder they think we don't care about them because oftentimes we're trying to cram stuff down their throat. Again, listen, I'm not saying we neglect the truth. I'm not saying we don't use our voice to speak the truth. But what I'm saying is that if you will have a conversation with someone, as you're following Jesus, if you would run the play of being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, it would change the way you see people. It would change the way, obviously, the way you speak to people. And it would change the dynamic of that relationship. And I believe that it gives you more access and more witness into their life because they know you care. I used to say this saying all the time and I don't say it as much anymore. I don't really know why. I think it came from John Maxwell. But but I used to say this with teenagers all the time in student ministry. And I would tell my leaders this, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the moment you're talking to someone and you choose to not run that play, you choose to just say, you know what, I'm going to tell you what I want to say and and I don't really care what you have to say. Whether you say that with your mouth or not, you're doing that by interrupting them. You're, You're not showing them that you care. And therefore, they don't care what you know. I just wonder what it would look like, church, if we as believers would run the play of following Jesus through this lens of keeping our mouth closed, of not always jumping the gun to say what we want to say. And you know, when it's even more hard and when it makes even a bigger difference, when someone is saying something to you that you disagree with, <laughs> Woo! right? If you look back on the last couple of years through COVID, through the election, through all the racial tension, through everything that was happening, and, and, and we still got stuff going on. I'm not comparing now to then but it was rampant. Everybody wanted to share and have their own opinion and they're entitled to it, I guess. But I just wonder how much of our character, how much of our heart, how much of our relationship with Jesus or lack thereof is revealed because we don't run this play. Because we don't run this play. Let's run the play. Let's be quick to listen. Let's be slow to speak and let's be slow to anger all right look number one already done we moving right along number two doers not hearers doers not hearers look at this James 22 through 23 but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror For he looks at himself, and he goes away, and at once he forgets what he was like. But the one who looks in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Think about that for a moment. Think about the aspect of being a doer of the word and not just a hearer. I I, I ran across this quote recently. And it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way at first, if I'm being honest. I kind of pushed back on it. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what does I'm not sure I agree with that, but as I began to dive into it and attach it to this, it made perfect sense. And I want to give it to you and I'm gonna break it down. L- look at this. Spending time with God is not the same as drawing close to God. I I, I could say it like this in, in the context and the title of our series. Spending time with God is not the same as following God. Here's, let me explain this, all right? I'm gonna break it into human terms. One of the things that blows my mind is how we will neglect to do something and look at scripture a certain way. But if we pull the principle out of what's actually happening and we apply it to any other thing in life, we would look and say, this is absolutely absurd. Here's what I mean. If you and I were sick and we were to go to a doctor and we were to spend time with this doctor and listen, share a little bit about us, what's going on, how I feel, and he was to come back or she and say, Hey, I know what's going on. Here's your diagnosis. But the good news is we can take care of this. And I need you to go home and I need you to take this medication. I need you to do this, this, and this as well. And if you do that, everything's going to be better. How many of us would go home? and say, no, I'm not doing that, right? Like, and that's what he's trying to say. You spent time with a doctor, but you're not drawing close because you're not doing anything to get yourself better. You, does that make sense? And maybe a doctor analogy doesn't work anymore because a lot of us don't trust them anymore, right? Like, it, that's your own personal problem, I guess. But same thing is true like with a therapist. What if you saw a counselor and a therapist and you paid money and you went and you sat down and you're sharing all of your things and, and they're giving you advice and they're telling you ways to, to find healing. They're telling you ways to, to get over and, and get better and improve on the things that you're struggling with. And you went home and you never took any of the advice or did anything that they said. All you did was spend time with them. This is what James is saying. I can sit down and read my Bible every single day. I can spend time, you know, looking at it and studying it and learning it and putting all of this in my head. If it doesn't leave my head and go to my heart, which then leads into action, I'm not actually drawing close to God. Why? Because I'm being disobedient. I'm spending time reading his word. I'm spending time studying his word and I'm neglecting applying it to my life. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope it does. How many of you have read a verse before? And you're like, man, that's a good verse. Whoa, that's crazy. I never thought about that. When God says in his word, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself, that's what he wants you to do. Not just hear it, do it. When God says, put me first, seek the kingdom before anything else, that's what he wants you to do. When God says, I want you to sacrifice all of you. I want you to surrender. I want you to die to self. I want you to carry your cross. I want you to do all of that because of me. I want you to be, I want to be a priority in your life. That's what he wants us to do. When God says, I want you to remove the things that are keeping you from me, I want you to seek me. I want you to speak like me. I want you to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. I want you to be a doer of the word, not a hearer. That's what he wants us to do. It's not just a verse. It's not just something we read and say, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's cool. That's a a great point, God. Mm, That's really good. You gotta run the play. You got to run the play. A play is just a play in a playbook until it's actually executed on the field. We have God's word. It's written for us. And he's given us instructions on how to follow him. But so many of us are immature and baby Christians and we're not growing and we can't figure out what's going on in life. Why am I off? Why do I not have purpose? Why am I unfulfilled? Because you're not running the play. You're a hearer and not a doer. James goes on, well, we already read it, but, but, but he takes what I'm teaching right now and, and he explains it himself. I probably didn't even need to spend any time sharing my opinion on that. I probably could have just went straight to what James is saying. Let, let me look at it one more time. He said, be doers of the word, not just hearers. And then look right here, he says, for, anyone, for if anyone is just a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. Like this This is one of those principles where it's like, really? That's absurd. Nobody would do that. Like, let me, let me demonstrate. I got a mirror here, right? Okay? I am, if I look at this mirror, if I said to you, I'm looking at this mirror and I walk away and I forget what I look like, you'd be like, bro, what's wrong with you? There's only one or two things that's gonna happen and, and lead to that. Number one, well, probably a couple things, but they're all health related. Either I'm blind, I can't see myself, I have a, I have a you know an impairment in my vision, or I have, you know, dementia or some type of, of memory issue. But but besides those things, you would never look in a mirror and walk away and not remember what you look like. And scripture's saying the same thing. Why would you look at scripture and then as soon as you get done, walk away and not do anything that it wants you to do? In the same way, even more absurd. Why do I look in the mirror to begin with? It's not so I can remember my face. When do we look in a mirror? We want to make sure we look, we look good, right? Like I'm, I looked in this mirror before I got on camera, and I noticed white shirts kind of glowing behind me, so y'all just had to deal with it. Sorry, I won't wear white next time. But anyways, why do I look in this mirror? I want to check everything out. I want to make sure my hair's good. I want to make sure that when I brush my teeth this morning, I didn't get toothpaste in my beard. I want to make sure I don't have a big pimple on my face that I need to pop. I want to make sure I don't got salt and pepper, you know, pepper in my teeth or salad from, you know, lettuce from my lunch today. Like, I want to look and see if there's any imperfections that are evident. How absurd would it be if I had toothpaste in my beard, my hair was a mess, and I had a big piece of pepper and lettuce in my teeth, and I walk away and say, all right, time to go. I'm good. It would be absurd, right? You see where I'm going? We do scripture like that all the time. We read, we study, we're listening right now to a sermon. Maybe we show up on a Sunday morning, Holy Spirit convicts the mess out of us, and yet we walk away and we forget. We don't apply. We don't change. You're a hearer, not a doer. James is saying, I need you to run the play. I need you to run the play. I need you to take what God is speaking to you in his word and not just listen to it, but do it. Apply it to your life. Let's not be selfish. Let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And let's be doers, not hearers. Let's take God's word. Let's apply it to our life and let's follow him so that we can draw near to him. Because as we live out scripture, we're not just spending time, we're drawing close. Because as we are living it out, we are becoming more and more and more Christ like in the image and reflection and character of who he is. That's how you draw close. Are you a doer or a hearer? Number three, no strings attached. No strings attached. Now, these are the last two verses in this chapter. I'm going to read it to you and then I'm going to tell you something. If anyone thinks he's religious, does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 27, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. A religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Do you know how hard it is for me to not speak and teach a whole sermon on verse 27? Like, I love it. Why? We talk a lot here about orphans and widows. And before you check out, because you know you've heard me talk about this before, let me explain something to you. James is, is specifically talking about orphans and widows, but it's deeper than that. And that's why I say there's no strings attached because James's audience, as they're listening, they know that if an orphan or a widow isn't taken in by their family, they're absolutely helpless. You can write them off, literally. Like, they they have nothing. They have nothing. And so I say, we're to follow Jesus. We're to run the play by living our life with no strings attached. Meaning, if I take care of an orphan and a widow in the context of the audience that James was talking to, I will give, I will love, I will take care of, I will show compassion, I will do whatever it takes to take care of them with no strings attached because I know that they can't give me anything in return. This was the audience James was talking to. (laughs) Little do you know, you take care of an orphan and a widow and follow Jesus and run the play the way he wants you to, oh, you'll get so much in return, so much in return but I'm gonna do what I feel like I need to do for this series and not not harp on orphans and widows today because you know I want to. And I know that you guys hear us talking a lot about it as a church, especially me. We, We love foster care. We love adoption. We love special needs. We want those kids and families to have a place here at church. We want them to know and experience Jesus like that. It's who we wanna be, but it doesn't stop there. And so for those of you who are like, here we go again. I know Brian's talking about orphans. Here we go. I know he's gonna probably start crying, telling a story about his orphan, right? Like it's deeper than that. It doesn't stop there. It's us running the play Living our life, following Jesus, loving people, serving people, meeting needs with people, guiding people, shepherding people with no strings attached. All because of the outpouring that's in our life, because of the fact that we care about people, we're not selfish, we're selfless all because we're not hearers of the word, we're doers of the word and therefore I'm gonna live my life with no strings attached. I don't expect anything in return from you. I'm just gonna love you the way that Jesus can. How often do we neglect that? And let me just say this. I'm not perfect at any of these and so as I have this mirror, trust me, I'm preaching to myself. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I'm, I'm pretty good at not getting angry. It takes a lot to make me angry, but I'm not the greatest at listening. I like to talk. <laughs> you would have never guessed, huh? I'm good at reading scripture and studying scripture and making it a daily habit. Also studying it so that I can teach and lead the people God's entrusted me to, but sometimes I don't live it out in my life. And if I'm really honest, sometimes I base what I do, the level of my servanthood, the level of how I love and see and treat people with some strings attached, wondering what I can get in return. When we first started this church, we shared our vision with many of you. And we said that we want to be a church for the cities. Hence our name, Seven Cities. We said we don't want to just be another church where people gather on a Sunday morning and show up and we sing songs and we hear a sermon and we go home. Is that important? Absolutely. That's why we meet in a building. But we got to run the play. We got to run the play. It can't stop on Sunday. And I wanted to spend just a moment as we close. I got a timer behind me now. I used to not have that. So I know where I'm at. I got a few more minutes. I want to be honest with you for a minute as, as your pastor. And I'll preface what I'm about to say, not because I'm afraid to share the truth or I'm afraid how you're going to take this. But the preface is, I understand that some of the responsibility over the last, I don't know, four, five, six, seven months, maybe even years since we got into the venue is on me and Pastor Jay and our leadership team and our staff. And so I, I will take what responsibility is mine as well as more if I have to, because I'm a shepherd. That's what I'm supposed to do. But I'm also supposed to to challenge and call out and, for lack of better terms, if I'm going to use a biblical definition of a characteristic of a shepherd rebuke. And as I look back over recent months, I think that we as a church have have drifted from our vision. 2021 was amazing. All of our time, our energy, and our effort was into building relationships and discipleship. They were deep, they were rich. We were all about partnering with organizations and serving and loving and taking care of our cities and letting people know there was a church that was here for them, not just a church as a building, but a church as the body of Christ. And when we got into a building, it seemed that a lot of our time, energy, and effort and resources went into making Sunday morning great. And between all the responsibilities that I have and Pastor Jay has and both of us working two jobs and raising kids and, and, and I'm not making excuses because God called me to this and it requires sacrifice. But along the way, there was this overwhelming aspect to where it kind of shifted to survival mode, trying to figure out what's what. And so... The responsibility that I take is, is that I, I haven't led you guys as well as I want. The rebuking is throughout this year, even though we drifted a little bit, and I think that part of this that I'm about to say maybe influenced how we drifted. Again, not all, but it burdens me as a pastor to have a church full of people who will say that they're bought into the vision of Seven Cities Church, to guide people to life in Christ in the seven cities and beyond. And we schedule serve days and we schedule city impact days and 10 people show up, or 12 people show up. And then maybe the next one, eight people show up. And I understand that we have schedules. I understand that every date and opportunity doesn't work. And I understand that we're gifted differently. And every time we do a serve day doesn't mean that, you know, maybe that's not your passion. Maybe that's not your thing. And so we've tried to shift a little bit as a church. And you're going to hear more about this in the future as we continue to shift and tweak But I think a lot of us, based off of past experience from church, the way we were raised or whatever it may be, we rely on the church to organize everything for us. We rely on serve days to be scheduled as events. And then we still don't show up. And I want to get away from that. Granted, I want us to serve and love and and love on our cities and our community as a church but we can't sit back and just have a playbook of all these plays that God has called us to run and we choose not to run them for whatever reason. Maybe it's priorities, maybe it's sacrifice, maybe it's, oh, that's not my thing. Listen, find something that is your thing. And so I've been talking to Pastor Jay about this and I'm like, hey, what if, because we've talked a lot about running City Impact through our city homes. Meaning, our city homes are going to go, they're going to serve, they're going to love on our city. And I'm like, hey, what if I got a list of a bunch of different organizations? I just sent it out because I know everybody doesn't love taking care of orphans and widows the way that I do. I know that some people don't like a homeless ministry. I know everybody doesn't, you know, isn't super excited about mercy drops as other people are. And I get that. I'm not saying that you have to do that. But I told Pastor Jay, I said, I feel bad for calling these point of contacts for all of these organizations and getting excited and introducing myself as a pastor of seven cities church and asking, how can we partner? How can we help? And then I get one person who's interested. So this isn't any type of manipulation. This isn't a pity party. This isn't me trying to get some end result or, 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 I don't have a secret motive here, but here's what I do have. I have a call and a responsibility as your pastor and as your shepherd to challenge you to step up, to challenge you to run the play, to speak to people the way that Jesus would speak to people, to to not just look at the word, but to actually do it, to live it out. And to love people with no strings attached, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. How how are you with that? And again, I I really, my goal was not to upset anybody. And I hate to sometimes do things like this from stage because it sometimes seems a little cheap and impersonal. I'm not afraid to talk to you one-on-one and help you and figure out what, what do we got to do and again i got my own things to to step up in and, and plays to run as well i'm not just pointing fingers at you but i believe that it's time for us as a church to get back on vision i believe it's time for us to, to lock into what god has for us and it's to not just fall back into the way we've always done church and what we're comfortable with because we've experienced it before and it's, it's redundant. It's, it's almost complacency. Again, I'm not saying any other church around here, the way they do it is wrong. But what I'm saying is if we continue to do what we're doing, we're wrong because God has called us to do something else. We want to meet in person and celebrate and come together. But if the only time we're being the church and running plays is on a Sunday morning, we are so far away from what God has for us, not just as a church, but as followers of Christ. And so I want to pray over you today. I want to pray over our church. I want to pray over Pastor Jay and our staff and our leaders and our elders and our board. I pray over myself. I want to apologize to you. Again, I'm going to do this in person on Sunday, but, well, I guess it is Sunday. I'm not recording on Sunday right now, but I'm going to be doing this in person right now, live action. But, but I don't get to see a lot of you guys who watch this on camera. I just want to personally say to you, I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't been the shepherd that I need to be. I'm sorry that I haven't communicated the way that I need to communicate. And I'm sorry that I haven't kept and pushed the vision the way that I'm supposed to. But I believe that, that we go through seasons where we learn and we grow and we're stretched. And we're about to enter into a brand new one. And I believe we're going to see things and experience things that we've never seen and experienced as a church before. But we got to run the play. We got to run the play. I'm going to pray over us and we'll be done. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it challenges us if we allow it. Your word is transformative. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's alive And it does something to us if we allow it to penetrate and we run it out, we run the play. God, I pray right now over our church. I pray over every individual who's watching right now that you would convict them by the power of your Holy Spirit to not just get in this comfortable, spiritual, easy life, but that they push and they strive to be more and more like you Especially when it comes to sharing the gospel and the love of you in our cities. God, I pray over Pastor Jay right now as he leads our church beside me. As we lead together, that you would give us clarity, that you would give us clear vision, that you would you would allow us to seek you above anything else, above any program, above any event, above any sermon, above any process, any system, that you would be the f- first and only priority in our life before anything else and that we can lead and shepherd well. I pray over our staff, Danielle, Cam, Tanya, and Caleb. God, that you would just infiltrate them with your presence so that they could understand the calling they have on their life because they're just as much a part of this church as anybody else as they lead and guide their ministries that they've been entrusted to. I pray over our elders, Ryan, Aaron, and Dan, and Tyler that you would just help them to lead the way elders lead that you would refresh them encourage them and that you would allow them to have a voice into the leadership and direction of our church I pray over our board as we make decisions as we vote as we give feedback as we do analysis God we want to be the church that you want us to be we want to run the play God would you help us in that Would you help us in that? God, I pray today for that person who doesn't know you. They would understand the play they need to run is surrendering their life to you and accepting the gift of salvation, the free gift that comes through faith alone by grace in Jesus. They're desperate for you because they're a sinner and they're separated from you. And Today, they call upon you for salvation. They surrender their life over to you as they choose the invitation that says, follow me. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you so much for this amazing day. In Jesus' name. We love you, church. I love you personally. I can't wait to see you. I'd love to see you next Sunday, but if not, I'll see you at the fall festival. Bring some friends. I hope you have a great day. See ya.